What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page and follow us on iTunes and Spotify. I'm Metal Dave, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. Cheers. And today we are joined by Riverboat Gamblers guitarist Ian McDougal, who not only plays for the Gamblers, he's got his own other project called Broken Gold, and he has worked for the Foo Fighters, uh, plays in a group called Band of Horses, and he is the wearer of many hats. And don't take you my word for that it. Again. We'll hear it straight from him. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Ian McDougal, guitarist for the Riverboat Gamblers and a man of many yeah. talents. How are you, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad you could join us, man. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, this is cool. You in quite a while. I think the last time I saw you, you were playing a benefit gig for um, for BJ, bass player from Eastside Suicides, which was uh, quite a while ago, and then COVID yeah. hit. And so I haven't seen you in a long time, man. It's good to see your face. Yeah, no, it's good to see you too. I think I can't even remember. Yeah, that had yeah that when that was a couple years ago. I think it was more than maybe like three or something at the party. Aren't you glad that I had easy access? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, Ian on speed dial. Yeah. You guys, this uh, is awesome. I've watched a bunch of these. Uh, cool. And I was texting. Yeah. And I was texting Jason about it the other night. I watched the rhino bucket one and uh, that was rad. That's a good one. Yeah. 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 Um, we're picking up some momentum and enjoying having some uh, really cool guests, uh, you included. I, I didn't realize that you and Jason uh, were coworkers. Um, oh yeah, we've been trying to keep it a secret for a while, but <laughs> cool. you know, now now that the word is out, uh, I think that you know uh, stock is going to rise with School of Rock. Uh, yeah. Everyone's going to start wanting to send their kids just because you know I know Ian. You know, you know what we should get out of this is a broken teeth riverboat gambler split. There you go. That would be there awesome. we go. Okay, ready, go. Seven years. <laughs> let's do it. I'll do it. Isn't that yeah. good? That sounds great. I'm down. I'm down, dude. I mean, that's the funniest thing is being able to put together like, uh, you know, like we were just kind of kind of talking about like uh, just putting together something super fun. You know, like that. Sh you know, the shirt and the songs and stuff that we did um recently with the ramones and motorhead stuff like that was we hadn't gotten together in the studio in years um i can't even remember but it was kind of one of those things where we got asked to do this one cover for a compilation and we were just we were already in there and it was like let's just knock out a couple other ones and the band used to cover both of those songs long, 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 long time ago, like way even before I was in the band. And, um, but everybody already knew them. And so it was really easy to just kind of like pull them out and just kind of do it. So, so tell everybody what we're talking about here. Um, we're talking about a new seven inch single from the Riverboat Gamblers that is one side is a, is a Ramones cover and the other side is a Motorhead cover. And I'll let you take it from here. Uh, yeah, we, I guess it's, I don't know how and why it started getting called Remotorhead, but, uh, 
that's just what I don't know. Appropriate. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we were, we, uh, we were recording a Jerry Rafferty cover and I've been telling Jason about this and actually talking to him about it. Like the entire time I was just like, yeah, we're going to do this. I don't know how it's going to, it ended up coming out really awesome. Yeah, and, um, it was cool. It was a cool project. Cause it was, you know, like right when everybody was starting to kind of feel like a little bit more, not so much of the heebie jeebies about getting in the same room and kind of working on something. And, you know, we were wearing masks and stuff the entire time. And, we went in there and uh, recorded that Jerry Rafferty cover, but it was like, let's just knock these other ones out really quick. And it was super fun. Uh, not only because we got to like, just all be in the same room together and play together again, but it was also cool because we kind of roped in a bunch of friends and, and uh, it's kind of awesome. We got CJ to sing backups on the, on Bonzo goes to Bitburg, which was rad. Yeah. And uh, that was such like a, you know, I was like, I keep in like he took my other band Broken Gold out on tour a few years ago and uh we still kind of just shoot the shit every once in a while and I just kind of was just like dude we're doing this thing would you want because I knew I know he has a little setup like all this you know and that yeah. he could easily just kind of like bust out of you know a vocal thing and and send right. it and so we just dropped it in and we got my buddy uh Ryan that plays keys and band of horses. He played organ on the Jerry Rafferty song. And then we got, uh, Sabrina from a giant dog to come in and sing on some stuff. And, um, Dave from crumb bombs came and ripped some vocals on, uh, yeah. no voices in the sky by motorhead. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. Nice. yeah. It was funny because, uh, we were recording that with Stuart and Stuart's never met Dave and, and, you know, like Dave's, uh, I don't know. It's just like two different worlds kind of intersecting a little bit. And uh, he was like, uh, Dave, you know, has, he can, that guy can hold a for like a good, like two <laughs> minutes straight. Yeah. And, uh, and it was just hilarious watching Stuart go like, God damn, man. Like how long can that motherfucker do that? You know, like, <laughs> But uh, it came out cool. I'm excited for, you know, it, it's it's already, you can listen to it now. Um, this is stuff Stuart, is... Stuart Sullivan, you're saying? Uh, Stuart Sykes, uh, Stuart this Sykes, guy. Sorry. Yeah, he's this dude that, um, he's been around. He, I've Yeah, he's we've been working and doing recording with him, and I've interned with him and done all, you know, it's he's a really good dude. He's here awesome. in Tampa. But, so, uh, so just so just to be clear, we're talking about a seven inch single. One side is Motorhead as a cover of the Motorhead song "No Voices in the Sky" with Dave from the Crumb Bums singing uh, lead vocals on that. Oh yeah, and then the flip side is a cover of the Ramones. Uh, Bonzo goes to Bitburg with C.J. Ramone singing backup vocals on it. Yeah, I thought, and Weeby he killed it on both of those too. Himself. Yeah, it was it was it was cool, man. Just being in there and messing around and know. where where can people get this or hear it or find it or whatever pretty much anywhere streaming wise you can get it anywhere it's already up on spotify and apple music and um i don't know if it's up on itunes obviously Bandcamp. um you can go to anxious and and actually purchase the seven inch and uh we started doing these like t-shirt bundle things and um that was the awesome thing. Honestly, like when we, when we were doing it, uh, it was, 
strictly like let's just do this for fun and you know we like these songs and let's just what are we going to do with these and we we like started with maybe if somebody buys a t-shirt we'll like uh add like some download like a download or something like that and then uh our buddy ryan uh from off of their heads he was just like y'all it's hilarious because he makes fun of us all the time that we just like all like constantly never have our shit together as a band and uh and so he was just like all right, just let me do it, you know? And like, he was like, you know, kind of put the seven inch together and he's like, oh, Jesus. Okay. Come on guys. You know? And, uh, so the gamblers don't have that guy that wears that hat that just automatically handles all that kind of shit. You guys just go, I don't know. Are you going to do it? Bob? We got used to having those people around and then we, right. don't, we don't, we don't have them around anymore. <laughs> right. right. Usually in a band, I thought I just take it for granted that everybody knows that, you know, there's this guy that does these little chores in your band. And there's the, the other guy that does the, you know, there's these different hats that each guy wears. <laughs> yeah, everybody always, always been that way in every band I've oh. been in. And thought it was the same. For sure. I mean, like we all kind of, we've all got our, our little hats and stuff still, but as far as like actually like getting a physical product out, I think that's when we get the, we need the little, like we need the cheerleader person on the side. Yeah, you you need Ryan going, I got it. Yeah. I got it. I'm going <laughs> to like, put We're this gonna... out because yeah. a lot of it was just like, we'll just give it away for free with a t-shirt. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that segues more into debt, you know, segues nicely into my uh, next question, which I think you just answered. I was going to ask, when can we expect the next gamblers record since it's been about what? 10 years or something Um, like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys have put out singles, um, you know, so you have made uh, songs available, but you haven't put out a full length album in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So, <laughs> yeah. super, I'm super aware. Uh, any any news on that front? Yeah, man. We actually, uh, the three of us, uh, well, me and Fadi and Mike got together and we had like a for real, like, let's talk about this. And um, Mike and I have kind of always, we always work on stuff. It's just, it, you know, and Jason, you know this, I'm sure many times over it's like you know you get into a band and you know you're playing with everybody's got their lives you know what i mean and they've got kids they've got jobs and you know for me and i kind of this is kind of all i do at this point like which is i'm extremely grateful and lucky that i just work on music stuff and uh but it's kind of hard to kind of get everybody kind of all in the same place in the past few years and uh into there's never a situation where we wouldn't like want everybody involved to do something so you know what i mean so like it wouldn't be like oh me and mike will just go in there and we'll kind of like record a bunch of stuff and then and then that's it and then we'll call it whatever it's like now everybody's got to be there and and uh for it to be good and for it to be cool and for everybody to be comfortable calling it what it is which is you know the band and yeah and uh so there's you know there's a bunch of reasons why stuff you know like we've we had we went through the gamut of things that happened to a band you know like where you're working real hard and lots of you know almosts and lots of kind of like home runs 
and lots of other, yeah, I don't know, you know, just stuff, you know, that just yeah. kind of happens you, along you the win, way. You win some and you lose some. <laughs> yeah, mostly lose some. Yeah, <laughs> but, you, uh, you but, gotta, you, but that makes it when you win some even better, you know. Yeah, you uh, got one, one foot over the finish line and one in the grave. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> it, however you want to put it. It sounds yeah. like a lyric. Yeah. yeah. Well, I... I I want to go on record as saying, and I and I mean this with all due respect to my my co-host Jason and our producer Jared, because I'm the I'm a huge Broken Teeth fan, probably my favorite band in the world. But I've said, oh, damn, here's first, that five bucks out here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I've said this since the first time I ever saw the Gamblers, and this is before Ian was in the band. Best live band on the planet. You guys, uh, your shows are always so high energy and so much fun. I take people to your shows that don't even like rock and roll, and they walk out of there going, holy shit, that was great. That was That's so awesome. much fun. Yeah, because you guys, you know, there's a sense of, first of all, there's a lot of energy coming off the stage, and there's also this element of humor to, that, that you know it just can't be ignored regardless of what your preference is in terms of music you're going to walk away from a riverboat gambler show having a good time and you know i i just i miss you guys i love you guys and uh i'm hoping that uh the pandemic being over and maybe you guys get in a room and knock out an album or at least get back on stage i'll be happy with a gig <laughs> yeah man we're playing with uh we're playing with the zero boys coming up that you know remember the civilizations yeah. in Indianapolis. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we played with them once before, uh, which was a wild ass show uh, at the God. It was in California, but it was with TSOL and Anti Knower League oh, in the wow. Zero Boys. <laughs> like, oh, man, that was a yeah, that was a uh, that's a yeah. rock Super Bowl right there. Yeah, that yeah, that's kind of that's kind of legendary. I want to sort of mix it up a little bit. Yeah, man. Uh, there's so many things uh, that I want to pretty much name drop uh, because you've gotten to do, you, ha, you yourself have gotten to do a lot of cool things personally, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, the, but the music, uh, you know, your, your, the songs that you, you know, the bands that you are in, the bands you were in, the bands you've toured with, tell us just like um, maybe a Henry Rollins story or something. Didn't you guys tour with Rollins? Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, there's, he was super, super cool. He was one of those dudes that when we came out, we toured with uh, gamblers opened up for, for X and Rollins bands back in uh, 2000. And it was one of the early ones. It wasn't the 2010s. It was sometime before that. I still have the, uh, I've got this, this thing is filled with, with all the laminates and stuff. Um, I wonder if it's, I really hope it's like right at the top. Um, but did he you was, steal that from Nicholas Cage, you know, sit <laughs> national secrets or secret from the movies from the set. It looks like some Indiana Jones shit. Yeah. That's uh, what I mean. Look at that thing. Yeah. National treasure or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's a bunch of, yeah. National the follies actually inside of here um man uh he was super cool uh i remember there was a few little weird things like he used to um he would pace around like in the hallways and stuff like in between um like right before they were about to go on stage so x and rollins band they were kind of like flip-flopping co-headlining so it depended on where we were we did like the whole states with them and um it depended on where we were where who would headline and stuff. So, you know, um, 
we would get finished. That was the one thing is because we were first to three, sometimes second to four, if there was a local opener or something like that. And, um, we'd get done, you know, and we're like trying to get our shit off stage and just kind of like, you know, you're in this corridors and stuff. And he would be like beelining back and forth in this corridor. So it was almost kind of like a game of Frogger with our gear sometimes. And he's walking around, of course, shirtless, you know, and he had, you know, his headphones in and he was just walking around going, just like beating his chest, like just getting ready, pumped to go on stage. Right. And, uh, I just remember like so many times walking by and just being like, Oh my God, like, <laughs> when's like a good time to just walk by? Like, I want to get this fucking amp out of here just so I can go and just sit down now. And you're being and, respectful. I love it that you're being respectful and totally, I mean, you're not going to like the dude is like pumping iron in the trailer of, you know, with the gear gets loaded out and he's in there working out you know what i mean like so he's got your marshall head doing curls with your marshall <laughs> yeah. head in a road case he's got a road case going Ooh. oh man that tour was that tour was something else but so you know you walk by and he's just like full on just like war mode ready to go yeah. on stage and then you walk by and be like what's up hank and he'd be like oh hey what's up you know like totally super nice and he would just like kind of break out of character for a minute or something and then and then just go back into ready to go on stage he used to do this weird thing too which i never like it was crazy he would do this thing on stage where he would just like tense and like flex for like a long period of time to where all the sweat on his body would beat up and then he would hit his chest and it was like that thing where they put water on snare drums or something yeah this wild <laughs> like kinda... a twisted sister video bro <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it was he was cool and then you know like and then you'd catch him you know, uh, just in passing and just say what's up. And then the next thing you know, you're talking about like Johnny Ramone for two hours with him. And he was really good friends with him. And it was cool, man. Uh, one of the coolest things though, at least for my nerd brain um, with everything is we were in DC at the 930 club. And this is back when Pat Lillard was in the band. You remember Pat, Dave? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Pat was in the band in every single show and this was not just because we were in DC. He used to always sound check his amp with waiting room by Fugazi. Just that do, 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 did it every single time. And then of course we're at the nine thirty club in DC and Ian Mackay is there. And we didn't know, but apparently he heard Pat doing that and like just marched out of the building. And, uh, we were like, Oh man, did we piss him off or something? Maybe he thought we were like, we had no clue that he was in the fucking building, but, um, Later on, X is sound checking, and they were filming this children's TV show called uh, Pancake Mountain, which is like uh, a children's public access TV show that was done by like punk rock parents, you know, so like they would have X on there and they would do like, uh, we're going to talk about the alphabet. And then like all these kids were on stage and they were holding all of these letters and the missing letter was X and Xene was holding it and then they would play a song. So I remember like we were watching them film this and I kind of was up in the wing, like on the stage left side up on the second balcony and there's Ian McKay and Henry Rollins just sitting there. And I was just kind of like, ah, ah, I didn't say anything. And I was like, I'm not going to say anything, but I was wearing a, a, a t-shirt bootleg t-shirt that my friend Josh made of this old seventies punk band called eater. 
you remember that band they had like a few they were like i don't know they were like a novelty band because they were super young but they had some good songs and i was wearing this this eater t-shirt and it was hilarious because they were both saying like you think this guy actually fucking likes eater like you know they were like kind of like, and i was like oh dude i love like room for one and like all and whatever and they were like i can't believe this guy actually likes fucking eater uh and that was my one nerd moment where i was like those guys like thought my t-shirt was cool <laughs> well you let me say this is we just had a talk louder moment because you're in the right place because this is where we tell the nerd like oh. i'm a little uncomfortable because these guys rule and i'm not worthy kind of a oh totally this I mean, is what I, our show is kind of about really yeah. You, yeah. t- you, you, man, I feel like I'm, uh, yeah, like just Forrest Gump in those moments. Yes, I want to, I want to <laughs> hear a nerd moment with C.J. Ramon. So you, you toured with him uh, in your band Broken Gold. Yeah. So um, first of all, tell people a little bit about Broken Gold if they're not familiar. How would you describe that band versus, say, Riverboat Gamblers? Tell us about Broken Gold real quick, and then uh, tell us about touring with C.J. and any. Yeah. Uh, Broken Gold was, um, Pat was leaving the Gamblers and I had always, I had, when I joined the band, when I joined Gamblers, I had my own band when I was in high school and I was like a teenager and I sang in it and I played guitar and that was, and this God, is hold on, in, in Denton, Texas. This was, I was in Carrollton, which was a right. shittier suburb between oh. downtown Dallas and Denton. So shittier Dallas area. Yeah. So it was like equidistant to Plano. Right. And, I, I, I hear that King Diamond used to live in Carrollton for a little Yes. Bit. Yeah. And did I, did, why did you see him pumping gas or? No, I, I remember recording <laughs> the, the band that I had recorded at a studio in Carrollton. Oh, that was the King guy. Diamond can't drive a car and get out of the car and put gas in his fucking car. It's a hearse. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. it's not. I, yeah. I wouldn't recognize him without his bowler cap. Yeah. So, okay. um, uh, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, so, broken, I, was, so no, broken, I wanted to I wanted to catch you real quick on this band. You're you're a kid and outside of Dallas, you've got this band. Is this band called Kicks or it's Kicks? Called the Kicks, Kicks. The and Kicks. we spelled okay. it with it, and then we spelled it with a Z. Okay. And the, <laughs> the, the, reason, the, the reason I ask the reason I ask this is because the very first time I ever met you, um, our friend John Miller took me to a punk rock house party here in Austin and your band was playing. And he goes, you got to see this band, the kicks. And my buddy Ian is in this band and he's a kid. I, you were like 14 years old or something. Yeah. <laughs> he was playing at some house party in, in, in Austin. And Johnny Miller takes me over and I check it out and I'm like, wow, this is great. These you guys- mean Johnny Venom? Johnny Venom, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it depends on who you talk to. Yeah, I, I, knew I, Ven- I knew Venom before they called him Johnny Venom. So. Yeah, yeah. But that, so that's the very first night I met you. He was kind of hyping you as like uh, this really cool dude. He's really young, plays in this really cool band. And I went to a house party and I saw you. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so bring us up to date. We're back to Broken Gold and touring with CJ Ramon. Yeah, uh, so after... Pat had he didn't want to tour anymore, and we still really liked just hanging out and playing. And um, so we were like, let's do this band that we've been talking about trying to do, and we're gonna do kind of something that's like 
sort of kind of like the replacements, but some of the kind of post hardcore stuff that we were listening to and like really getting into. And we kind of had like an idea of what it was going to be. It was going to be very like primal drums and kind of like something that sounded big, even though we were a three piece and, and that was kind of it with that band. And then of course that evolves over time. And then it's just basically what it turned into. And I kind of was just like, I just want to do something that sounds kind of like Minneapolis 1986 or something, you know, like Husker do replacements, but soul asylum, but like, uh, but more on the kind of punk edge of their, you know, of all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, still like kind of like basically fast and not whiny singer songwritery stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, I, it makes sense. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so uh, we had that band and then um, we did it for a while and we toured. And then, so we got actually asked by uh, gambler's booking agent, Stormy Shepard, if, uh, if Broken Gold was interested in going out opening for CJ. And it's just like, yeah, hell yeah, that'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> you know, I'm like, um, didn't know him or anything like that. Never met him before. And, uh, and he was just super immediately the coolest dude. Like immediately. It was just, I don't know. It was awesome. It was kind of like, we were fast friends. Uh, both of our like bands, like he had a band of, of dudes that he was doing and they were like just total awesome. Just everybody in that band was doing the thing, doing the downstroke, all that stuff. He has one giant Popeye, right arm you know what i mean from just years of just doing the downstroke thing and he's super cool and he, he likes to hang out and you know <laughs> throw a few back you throw a few back tell yeah. a few stories uh yeah he's a good dude and yeah. uh and he took care of us you know like it was you know we were playing kind of the you know the shitholes of lower america you know and uh making our way through we started in texas and then went through like New Orleans, lots of Florida, of course. Like every single fucking time I ever go to Florida to play, sh like any kind of band, you're going to be there for like two weeks or something, you know, or like a week and a half. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, I remember, I remember the first time I went to Florida, I was like, I was like looking at the itinerary and I'm going, sure are going to be in Florida like eight days? Yeah. What are we doing? It's just crazy. Might as well rent an apartment. Yeah. And you feel every minute of it. <laughs> Second you step out of that van, you are in Florida. Yeah. But, um, but anyways, uh, we had a good time with him as far as like stories and stuff. I don't know. I remember like he was just cool and, you know, kind of, um, he was open to talk about stuff with the Ramones and there was, you know, some insight. There was a bunch of cool little weird things where like just this whole like tryout period. I had no idea that like Didi was there the whole entire time, like kind of like making sure that he was like up to snuff with everything. And like, wow. that was cool to find out. And it was just like, man, you know, and that he was kind of a, a just like peripheral around sort of while he was in the band and that they were friends and stuff. And, um, that's and then, cool. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I that's like what you want to hear where you're just like, yeah. Well, it didn't even sound like it was a mentorship. It just yeah. like it was, he was just there and like, yeah, I don't want to do it anymore. You can do it, dude. Yeah, it's, I'm just going to hang out. Go, go ahead. Rock out. 
Totally. It's like and hang out. Yeah. He told me the story too about like uh, when he was trying out, you know, like the whole thing with he went AWOL and he ended up getting arrested and got put in the brig too for like leaving to, you know, um, and they waited for him to get out. Yeah. So he could tour and stuff. But the the weird story about like the um the speed of everything, like um when he showed up, he had been learning the record speed. And so they practiced the record speed for his initial tryout. And then they were like, okay, do it the live speed. And it was like five times as fast. Yeah. I don't know like where that came where like Johnny Ramone wanted to fit as many songs into a set or something. You know way more about this than I do, Dave. But uh <laughs> um but yeah, like uh it was cool that he got like this tape and so he had to practice like to the you know the live speed and having to go over to Marky's house to get the tape and then like Marky answers the door in a kimono and just like he didn't know the guy that well and he was just like, What the hell is going? You know, like <laughs> oh man. No, I I uh I've spent some time with CJ and and he is a great guy and and a lot of fun and I I'm just glad you had that opportunity cuz I'm sure that was a blast you being a a Ramones fan and everything and getting to spend some time. You man, know. he was so cool. He let me come up and sing the DD part on 53rd and 3rd every single uh, night. I'm like dude. it was so cool. Like I it's like blast. That was the one that's huge. Yeah. yeah. That was like the one like uh, awesome thing when I started working for Band of Horses. I took uh, a few of those guys out to go and see him play in Philadelphia. CJ was playing when we had a night off, and and it was funny because we walk in and uh, and then they get up on that, they start playing that song, and I didn't just met these guys, and I just CJ was like, "Yo, Ian, where are you at? Are you here?" And then they start playing it, and I like you know get to do the thing where I got to run up on stage, and these guys don't know me at all, and get to i don't know it's kind of a bunch of i, I love that shit you know yeah. and, and sure, yeah, yeah. You know, we've all gotten to do that kind of yeah cool yeah. stuff from just sticking around and just you know yeah that's, well that's the stuff it, that, that's i feel like goes, that's, kind of goes back to you're my boy blue yeah my boy. Yeah. it's like <laughs> that kind of shit yeah it's just you know and that's why the hell else are we doing any of this right that's right because we ain't getting rich <laughs> No. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> oh man! So you mentioned uh, you mentioned Band of Horses. Uh, tell us a little bit about what do you do with them? Are you a, a road manager, tour manager, tech? What do you do? So you were you 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 just mentioned that you were working for them. I didn't even know you were working for them. I just always yeah. thought that you were in the band. So I know. am. Yeah, I'm the. Yeah, I, so, I've been so, the. Uh, guitarist for four years but yeah, clear clear all that up for yeah. us Worked i was for him and then became the guitar player yeah i well uh i was when gamblers kind of started slowing down um i started doing i like really put it out there that i was like down to kind of do anything you know as far as like working behind the scenes and you know and then also down to play like i, I joined that band leftover crack for a while for like uh i was in that band for like a year and uh and then so i started was like well you know i was kind of getting into you know like i'll tech i don't know you know like whatever and so i started doing um just kind of runner kind of stuff locally and then i eventually like i mean i'm extremely lucky and i started working for i got a runner job working for the food fighters and i got a permanent job as their assistant tour manager for a few years for like uh 
like three or four years or something like that. So, so that's really big. Uh, so ju just to make sure that everyone heard correct, you were basically assistant to the TM, the tour manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> for, yeah, for for two years. It was, to, uh, it was for the whole... That's, to some people, that's like you, you're working for Elvis because yeah. uh, you're, <laughs> you're working for a member of Nirvana. Is the way that people look at that kind of shit. Yeah, too technically. You're yeah. working for Pap Smear. Yeah, he's cool. You, there's so there's a, so many different like uh, angles you can go at by by going. Oh yeah, I'm just I'm gonna go for for it's these guys called the Foo Fighters. Man, it was it was real. It was really really weird and 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 in a good way. Like it, to me, it's yeah. still surreal and what it, it was crazy, but. The only reason, well, what happened was right after, uh, you know, I'd been with them and would still be if, uh, if this playing thing, um, you know, or I would at least have tried to be, uh, well, you are a guitar player. So, yeah. And well, so what ended up happening is, um, Dave fell off stage and broke his leg. And then we ended up doing this big long tour with him and his throne and, and uh didn't, didn't axel borrow his throne or was yeah afterwards. <laughs> it's crazy that they kept that i figured that they dismantled that thing but uh who they kept, kept it? it axel kept it or they have this big warehouse uh food where they, yeah where they keep yeah. all of this stuff and and um so axel actually returned it <laughs> probably okay i don't know the status of the of the throne you know what i want to see is the next time uh weeby falls off stage and punctures a lung uh i want to see him do some dates in the throne oh man that'd be amazing <laughs> you, you guys have that lung, on, uh, you're not doing any dates yeah <laughs> you can't barely talk but uh but yeah after he had fallen you know like we did the whole throne thing it was just like we take we took some time off and and uh during that time, it was like, okay, they're taking, you know, an indefinite amount of time off. This is between the Sonic Highways record and that Concrete and Gold record. And, mm. Like, I got to work. And so, um, one of the bands that was on the same management uh, was Band of Horses. And one of my, a lot of my best friends that I've known since I was 17 years old are the gambler's first tour manager ever is the tour manager for band of horses. And so I needed a job and I was just like, dude, you know, if you need any help, let me know. And he brought me on as a, uh, doing assistant TM stuff, just kind of like almost kind of like doing a bunch of stuff. I was also like counting in merch and checking in with sellers and then, you know, settling at the end of the night, it, like settling merch, not the show, but like, you know, whatever, and, uh, and then those dudes are just cool. And, you know, like we had the same sound guy, this guy, Mark Arnold, he was in this band called big drill car a long time ago. Um, but he is the front of house dude for X on that X and Rollins band tour. And now he's the front of house guy for band of horses. And, uh, we had, you know, our lighting guy was this guy named Dara Guinea, who I had met with, uh, he used to work for flogging Molly gambler should tour with them and he's still with band of horses and so anyways it was like a good group of dudes were like oh man isn't this crazy like you know basically close to 20 years later we're still all in the same room doing the same thing yeah. and uh and so and the guys in the band were super cool and we got along like very fast friends and we got along really well same types of dudes and like all the same stuff maybe not particularly 
the same kind of like music abrasive kind of, you know, whatever that we're, yeah, all right, rock and roll kind of stuff, but definitely like the same kind of background from that kind of stuff. And, and it was just cool. And then, so, you know, like every once in a while, I'd end up getting asked to kind of play extra guitar if the singer was just going to lead sing and play tambourine or something. And then, and then I got asked to play with them on Jimmy Kimmel. And that was kind of like, Whoa. Okay. And then, uh, there was like a weird in between time between guitar players, uh, on this, we were on a long, long ass record cycle for that time when I joined. And, uh, and so there was some people left, some people came and then left and I was just there and was just like, if you guys need a hand, I'm here. I don't know. And it kind of got brought up jokingly, like, yeah, let's just fucking have you into it. And I was just like, I might try and give it a real shot. And it, uh, it's, yeah, it's been years now. <laughs> wow. And, uh, we've recorded and we've got a record coming out. We've, we we're playing Lollapalooza coming up, uh, nice. both weekends at ACL, Railbird Festival, a bunch Congratulations, of, man. of other d- wow. dates. Congratulations, man. Well, yeah, I mean, but you know, it's, I'm still, man, just working and slugging. I'm, you know, just yeah. still doing it. Yeah. It's just, yeah. You're not buying a yacht yet. Well, yeah. I mean, I, that wasn't <laughs> even, I mean, I, I mean, I'm just, like I said, I feel like very much like, uh, <laughs> like Forrest Gump just kind of around and it's just like, Oh, this <laughs> other big kind of deal thing. And I'm just kind of I like, I gotta go pee or, you know, like in the background <laughs> and just happen to be there. <laughs> well, you're, you're obviously, um, you know, a, a a good guy because you, you don't get hired being a dick and you're obviously talented and you know how to write a song and you know how to take, you know, the main guy in a band's thing and, and make it better with your guitar playing. So hats off to you. Just being able to be in the same room and, and make it blend, but shine a little brighter. Uh, it's important. Um, you know, I'm I'm not too proud to mention that uh, me and Ian work together for the School of Rock, which is, you know, a corporate music school. And, uh, you know, that kind of saved me. And because uh, I'm not buying a yacht. Dude, Even that saved our ass, during, especially this COVID times. Totally saved our ass. Yeah. So it, it saved us ass, it saved our asses time and, and time again by way of, you know, I mean, if I'm gone for a week or just a weekend or what a month or whatever, yeah. they're still, they're cool with that. They want us to tour. They want us to make records. They want us to have to ask for time off to go be a musician because that's the product. Well, yeah, it's cool too. Just being able to kind of be like, yeah, this is the, you know, the reality of it is it, yeah. you know, like being able to kind of, I feel like relate some of that to especially like you know like some of the older kids that maybe think that like um that they're gonna maybe give it a go or something it's just like well if this is the reality of it it's gonna suck like 90 percent of the time yeah but that 10 percent, pretty good yeah uh, those yeah. moments where it's like oh okay you might be able to sing the dd part in the cj Ramon. that's right show. <laughs> yeah but awesome. don't quit your day job uh, what do you mean day job i don't have a day well you better get one because you're not really plan b you know when you think about you know 
tat putting a tattoo on your face. That's oh, man. really a plan B. That's <laughs> yeah. like that's like you're you're you you're drinking you, you're walking around drinking the punch when yeah. you when you have a tattoo on your face, you're not like, yeah, I drank the punch once. Oh man. The best thing when it like, I mean, just living in Austin, you know, like forever, uh, me and bones and like all the people that worked at the thundercloud on Lake Austin Boulevard, yeah. that was some good times. Cause we used to have to schedule our, you know, schedule each other. Like, okay, you going out next week? Okay. So, we can do, you know, like scheduling our work schedule. Switch, switch days, <laughs> switch weeks with each other, whoever's yeah. on, on yeah. tour. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So yeah. Good. From Texas French bread to Thundercloud subs to Conan's pizza <laughs> to, yeah. to Magnolia to just everybody who's worked at all of those places, you know, plays in a rock band. Yeah. And yeah. so when you think about the schedule switching, and uh, it, it, the incestuous sort of like, it, you know what? Every scene in the world has that. Oh, totally. I just feel the same scene over yeah. and time. And I love it. And I, I love, let's hope that they're talking about it just like we're having a laugh right now. Let's, oh, hope, man. let's yeah. just hope that that's because uh, I think it it's a great fellowship and, and builds community and uh, those are going to be memories that last that that last forever. You know, Bones uh, is a total lifer. Marty is a total lifer. Totally, yeah. total lifer. And so there, there, there's no Plan B. No. You know. Uh, by the way, we I don't got one. I don't know. You <laughs> mentioned for people who don't know, it's we're talking about the lower class brats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we talk yeah. about Bones and Marty, it's uh, look them up. A good punk rock band from great yeah great stuff i love them i i I feel like uh i feel like we glossed over the foo fighters and i don't want to harp on it but i i do i mean very few people get the opportunity to work closely with that band and and obviously they're huge so um do you have any uh like you were telling great stories about about henry rollins do you have any stories about dave or pat or oh god i or mean hawkins or dude, i was i was yeah i was with those guys all like all day every single day for years this is what i'm looking for see we glossed right over this shit. they're they're great and the one cool thing that i think is amazing is that everybody that works for them pretty much like really closely is somehow related to something like old ass punk shit you know like uh my one of my best friends and total like mentor people is their tour manager this guy named gus brandt and he's the best dude in the world he used to book black flag when he was a teenager in pensacola florida you know and that's how he made his that's what he did he he toured like he eventually got asked to tour with some bands and then they ended up tour managing and eating shit in vans forever and ever and ever. And now he's this kind of person that he is. Uh, and he's a very, you know, like uh, cool, but you know, he's got a lot of shit going on. Yeah. Um, not just with booze, like with a bunch of other stuff too, like uh blank 182 and Pharrell and like just, you know, wow. Um, and like Disney, that, Disney shit. And the dude comes from, uh, you know, a punk rock background fully still listens to a lot of cool shit. Um, I love that dude. And, but and then, you know, like Chris Shiflett's guitar tech is the tour manager for poison idea, you know, and, um, goes out with, uh, tenacious D as well. And, you know, it's, 
it's a it's a lot of people like that and they keep them close too, you know and like make sure that they i've never uh whatever you kind of like want i feel like that band to be like you want them to be fucking super cool right because you know it's just like seem like the nicest guys and they completely are they take care of every single person that works for them and there's a lot of people um they take care of them so much and it's just i don't know it, it was it was kind of exactly what you were you would want it to be and I, I was never like a big you know like super nirvana fan uh i didn't like hate them i wasn't like a hater but i was just not that was you know for me whenever i was growing up in the time where i think you get into that and it locks in your brain where you're like oh man this band i was like wait i had punk rock blinders on where i was like if it's not from like uk 1977 or like uk 82 i don't give a fuck you know what i mean well, like that's, that sounds like a that's just super nerd yeah like yeah. you know if it's not hardcore it sucks you know yeah if just, it didn't look I, a certain way if it didn't sound a certain way and if they didn't play a certain type of guitar or whatever any, else any kind of fan yeah. any kind of music yeah. any kind of you can insert that sort of like 17 year old brain where if it's not what i like you suck yeah right i get it i get it but i think that actually worked i don't know it's i think that kind of i don't know those dudes are really cool and um yeah i don't know uh i'm trying to think of anything that whole leg breaking debacle was crazy um yeah when he fell off stage and I can't believe he finished the show. Well, I couldn't believe that either. And I couldn't believe that that was the longest show of that tour as well. Um, you know, like, and he, like by the middle of it, he's like crutching around going down the catwalk over to the B stage. And, uh, yeah, it was super wild. And that was, yeah, that was, that was strange. Uh, I remember though the first thing that I did whenever I, the very first day that I worked for them, I flew over to the UK, um, and I got there like two days early. And the first thing I did was I looked up what shows were happening locally, like because I had nothing to do for two days. And I saw the UK subs at the Hundred Club, which was like, all right, that's at least really cool. If I get fired tomorrow, at least, uh, <laughs> at least I did that. Why would, why would you get fired the the next day? Just for I don't know. You know. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I was just like I completely went in thinking, I don't fucking know what I'm doing, you know, and and I didn't, but like, I figured it out very quickly and baking it till you made it. You know, you don't have a tattoo on your face. You're okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh so, so what were what were your responsibilities? I know they were kind of all over the map, but just sort of give us from the simplest thing to the most, you know, yeah, complex uh, thing. Uh, uh a lot of it was dealing with guest list, which could be a an entire afternoon in itself with that. I mean, like yeah. it would range anywhere from you know, like 100 to 300 people like a night or something and yeah. and then having to uh you know you have we had many levels of access so there's like you were the guest list guy yeah and holy shit that's a job <laughs> i could not fucking do and so i did that and i was also kind of like if we had if we had um like people coming into guessing or something like that i was like the liaison to go and meet these people so there was some i mean that was actually one of were the you ones. the liaison to david lee roth no but um there were some funny ones man uh like perry farrell that was pretty funny uh um the coolest 
some of the coolest ones though, where I was like, where I was like, holy shit, this is fucking happening. Um, was Gaz from Killing Joke came and sang Requiem with them, which was amazing. I had to go and like meet him outside, outside and be like, Hey dude, <laughs> come back this way. <laughs> Let me walk you through everything. And, uh, and, um, and we had, uh, so one of the days, this is actually pretty cool. Um, one of the days we were in New York and it was at this place called city field, but it used to be called Shea stadium. And, mm-hmm. uh, I was a little band called the Beatles played there. I think Yeah, (laughs) it was, was, I mean, a lot of this, uh, you know, there was a lot of moments where I was just kind of like, I do not deserve to be here, but I'm (laughs) here working and just whatever, and just doing my job. Um, so I got, I was also in charge of parking. And so like if, if family members or whatever had to get behind the stage, you know, whatever I had to, sort that out and make sure that security and all that stuff was, uh, was sorted. And, and so, uh, I start seeing all these names in New York and I like, I'm kind of recognizing like Daryl Jennifer. And I was just like, man, I think that's Dr. No's real name from bad brains. And yeah. I was just like, what's wow. happening here? And so, <clears throat> and then there was a bunch of people like connected to those and i was like okay they're just coming to hang out because that was totally normal too to like have like somebody awesome to come and chill and bring all their family and and uh have their own you know room back back there and backstage and and so uh i'm walking through the halls and i start hearing you know bad brain songs getting played in the practice room because that's another thing we set up this practice space every single day um so they could they, that's the one thing about that band is they practice every single day. Like as soon as they get into the building, you know, they get it there around like what four or five or something like that. They beeline all of them to the room and they'll work up like a new song or they'll like, you know, let's play Detroit rock city tonight or something, you know, like whatever. And so I'm walking by the room and I start hearing bad brain songs and, and, and there's that, you know, you're like, don't fucking walk in the room. You know what I mean? Like if, uh, if you, if they're doing stuff, this is the one time where I was like, I'm going to go in there. I'm just going to, I can't not go in there. Cause I know that these dudes are here and they're playing with them. And I was like, this is, I can not see this. And, and so, uh, yeah, I, I walked in there and sure enough, it was, uh, you know, like Dave playing guitar and singing and Taylor playing drums and Dr. No and Daryl Jennifer playing as well and then like Shiflich wow. is hanging out and Gus is in there too and like me and Gus both we just like held up our phones and we were just oh. like <laughs> just like, <laughs> like watching them rehearse oh, they went out on stage and they ended up playing you like you can look this up on YouTube like uh Foo cool. Fighters Bad Brains at City Field um your, and it's your, your phone footage I'm kidding not the not the phone uh <laughs> but uh it's just right after he broke his leg too so he was pushing something oh, and little thing um man yeah there was a bunch of yeah i mean it's it's uh, it, i love that uh i had that experience and i love those dudes still and i get to see them very soon we were supposed to play fourth of july last like the covid year we were supposed to open up for them in dc band of horses was and I was like so fucking freaked out because it was going to be the first time that they were going to see me play. 
Oh, they, I mean, because yeah, because yeah. we, I mean, there was lots of fucking hazing when I joined that oh. crew, and because I was traveling, you know, I was uh, Dave hired me personally, and so wow. there was like tons of fucking with me the entire time, <laughs> and uh, which is great, you know. Uh, What's the worst they gave you? What was the worst? Uh... Nothing much. It was just a bunch of just like. I mean, it, it, I, they kept, the thing was, is I lived in fear for the first like six <laughs> months because they kept alluding that they were going to do something super fucked up <laughs> and they never did. But I was just always just like, I'm just, I'm ready for it. Like at any moment, like, mm-hmm. I don't know what it's going to be or like what these fucking rich motherfuckers do to haze somebody or something, you know, right. like, and, uh, it was, yeah, that was, it was a lot of just, you know, like schoolyard teasing bullshit, but mm. I don't know. They're a great, they're awesome people. I love them. Um, that's uh, that's so amazing that you've had that experience and continue to have that experience. I mean, <laughs> how, how cool is that? that tell, that's, tell us that's, how the, tell us how the phone call or whatever Dave hiring you personally, how did that go about? That was so like uh, I was driving him around here in town because he had that TV show that he. uh, Oh, yeah. uh, Sonic Highways. He did the the Austin one. And that was kind of like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gary Clark Jr. played on that. Yeah, man. Um, He he was on tour. He was on tour with us for. Oh, cool. For like a lot of that tour. And he would come up and and do that song that he did with them. And um, he's he's an awesome dude. And. uh, yeah, I was just like, like I said, just kind of driving him around and um, showing him around. How'd you get? How'd you get the gig of even just driving him around? How did the whole day? How did the- that uh, buddy of mine that I told you about that? You oh, right, okay. Gantlers, who's the tour manager for Band of Horses now? He was just got it. He had done some stuff with them when they were doing this uh, Sound City. Um, Sound City Docu- documentary that we talk about a lot on this show. I yeah, guess. yeah. He did some, he did some, uh, some stuff with them. And so they don't like hiring just like car companies, you know, they would rather get like oh, a guy in a suit. They don't want that. Yeah. They would rather get like the local, a tr- yeah, a trustworthy local dude. And, you know, um, and so, uh, yeah, that was kind of about it. And I just drove around and, and, uh, there was, a, you know, it was, there was a bunch of stuff, you know, like the first week it was just like, man, this, that was cool. They were supposed to play and, um, they ended up canceling the show because I think Taylor's wife was having a baby. Mm-hmm. They canceled the show and then it just turned into Dave hanging out for like a few days and, um, and, uh, just driving around just kind of in a rental car in a, just a 15 passenger, man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, and that was it. We just kind of got along and I, you know, Gus was there, um, and we got along as well. And, uh, and that was really about kind of it. It wasn't like that crazy of like a thing where he, basically it was just like that time happened. They came back a month later to do the makeup date for the show. And they asked me to come back to drive around for that and then to bring in a friend and to help out because the whole band was going to be there. And then like, there was just other people there too. So there was a lot more people to move around and we just kind of made it really easy. And, um, 
and just, you know, lots of kind of just shooting the shit. And at the end of the whole thing, he was just like, dude, what do you think about just, I don't like working for us. And I was like, ah, what do you, I don't know what you want me to do, but he was like, ah, we'll make up a job. He was like, we're about to get real busy. So Gus needs some help. I don't know. And then I looked at Gus and he was just like, man, if he's saying this, you know, it'll probably happen. I don't know. And so I just was like, I'm not going to hold my breath at right. all. And, um, and sure. I'm glad, you know, I, I, I totally, I've heard these things from people before, like about jobs or, you know, like playing, playing stuff or whatever. Um, I've heard this kind of stuff before. And I, you know, like, I was just like, oh, man, that'd be really cool. All right. Well, I guess I'll be hearing from you. And, um, man, and you did. yeah. And sure enough, it was, you know, like a few months later, it was just like, Hey, you know, like, sorry about the wait or whatever. We're about to get going on this thing. Like, do you have a passport? And it was just like, Oh shit. Yeah, I do. I was working at Wheatsville and, uh, right. Wheatsville co-op. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was just like, yeah, I do. Um, they're like, can you, uh, be in London next week? And I was just like, I, yes. And they were like, okay. And they immediately put me to work. And then I was like trying to find, like, I remember like that afternoon, as soon as they like, I was just like, yeah, I had to fill out a bunch of paperwork immediately that just got sent to me. And then, uh, and then, and then I just started sourcing things like finding stuff in places like, can you find a vacuum to get delivered to this building? And, you know, <laughs> just for real, like something that simple or whatever. And she's like, yeah, okay. And, and that's kind of what it was. Oh, yeah. that's, that's pretty, <laughs> yeah. I mean, a, a, go, a gopher, but a gopher for people that you respect. And, and there, there were a lot of people that you knew that you've known for going back years and years and years that are in your, basically your circle. Yeah. It was cool though, because there was a lot of, you know, people that I'd known that were, it was just, you know, it was awesome. And, and, uh, as far as just making, I don't know, knowing people kind of going into it, but then also making a lot of like, really like, you know, lifelong friends and stuff like that with That's some the of the best on the crew. And, um, people that I still talk to and still people that I run into and, and tour with. And, and, uh, I feel very, very lucky um, in that respect. Just because. That's excellent. I, you know, I, I, uh, I have to throw this in there because I think it's funny. I, I met Taylor when he was playing for Alanis Morissette. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of. We were talking about this the other at day. South Park Meadows in like 2000, 2000. Yeah, ninety nine, two thousand, something like that. Maybe maybe your late nineties, ninety-eight, possibly. He's a wild drummer. Like just yeah, it's crazy. All this, I mean, everybody in that band is just like Yeah, everybody can play. Just disgustingly yes. talented. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of, do you have a, a Pat Smear story you can share with us? Man, not really. That guy, like, you know, he was always super, super cool. Um, and he uh he's a man of few words. You know what I mean? He's kind of, he's legend. kind of legend. He's, yeah. He's kind of in and out of like, he shows up and you see him and he's just kind of like, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> goes on stage and then, and then it's done. And he's like, 
and then he's out. That his signature thing? Uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? Just kind of like, okay. You know what I mean? Just like, hey, how you doing? Here I am. And then here I go. And goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I like it. I met him out in Hollywood one time. I went out there just to, you know, spend a week, you know, basically going up and down the Sunset Strip, checking out all the clubs that I read about as a teenager and see where Motley Crue got started and Van Halen got started. It was always a dream of mine. And I went out there and uh, at the time, uh, Buck Cherry was a, a fairly new band and their yeah. their label contacted me about writing their bio. So I wrote their bio, became friends with the guys in the band. I'm out in LA and I got to leave in about two days and I'm thinking you know what, just out of the blue, I'm going to call their publicist and see if by chance the guys are playing a local gig or maybe they're out on tour, whatever. I'm going to give it a shot. Sure enough, they were going to be playing at the Viper Room the day I was supposed to leave. So I call the airlines, I rearrange my flights, I show up at the Viper Room, surprise the dudes, and Pat Smear is is there. And uh, along with Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols. And uh, I met Ray Manzarek from The Doors that night, too. And so I'm at this club. I'm watching Buck Cherry, and we finish up. The the gig is over. I walk out into the parking lot, bump into Pat Smear, and I say hello, and I ask him if if I could get a photo with him. And he was like, no, not at all. You know, so we take a picture, and he goes, do you like Buck Cherry? And I was like, yeah, uh, you know, I love him, man. Great band. This is about the time of the second album, maybe. Yeah. And um, he goes, well, you know, they're playing tomorrow night at the whiskey. And I said, yeah, I know. I heard. And he goes, if you come to the whiskey gig, I'll buy all your drinks. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, dude, I already had to rearrange my I'm from Texas. I already had to rearrange my flight to be here tonight. But he was really sweet. He was he was real gracious about taking the photo. And then we were having this moment where he was like, hey, you should come hang out with me tomorrow night at the at the whiskey and we'll do it all over again. And I'll pay for everything. And I was like, sorry, dude, I got to (laughs) go. Didn't Steve Jones play on that? Buck Cherry's song. Yeah, he co-produced the first record, and I wouldn't be surprised if he ghost played on some of the tracks as well. Yeah, but yeah, he's credited as a co-producer on the debut album. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Ian, I wanted to uh, ask you also, real quick. Um, a lot of people may know this, and some of them won't, uh, especially listeners to this podcast. But you were involved in one hell of a bike accident many years ago that left you fucking beat up, man. I, I don't even know if that's a, if that's an overstatement. I mean, it was, it was pretty grim. They, it, there was even a, an article in spin magazine about you getting hit by a car or yeah. something and you were broken bones and the whole nine yards. And so, um, th- there was probably a time when you were worried about not only would you be ever be able to play again, but I mean, possibly not even walk again. So, I mean, tell everybody, fill up, fill everyone in on that episode. And, uh, you- you're obviously a hundred percent recovered or, or so you appear. So. Uh, yeah. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and maybe a few loose screws up in the, oh, mind, I mean, but, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the actual, that's the thing, uh, is the issue. Um, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I was riding my bike home. Um, and I don't, this is, I'm sure you guys know this, but, uh, 
you know, airport Boulevard is a very long road and it's a dangerous road to even just like be driving around on. But at this time of the day, I was leaving Pat Lillard's house and I lived on the east side on Springdale and airport basically. And it was like, okay, I could cut through all these neighborhoods. I was, it was like 1130 or midnight or something like that. And I was like, I could just cruise all the way down airport. So that's what I did. And, uh, and it would take me like five minutes or something to get home. And, uh, this guy just didn't see me. And, um, I had lights on, but you know, wasn't wearing a helmet. And oh. this dude hit me going 40 miles an hour or something, hit the brakes. And I ended up flying and landed, uh, you know, like 20 feet away and, I broke a bunch of stuff like my um, left ankle, my right hip socket, my left wrist, uh, fractured my skull in the back. And then I had internal decapitation, which I'd never heard of before. But basically when he hit me, like my skull that's, and spine. That's went, not your new death metal band? No. <laughs> I, I think Jason just got an idea for a new Igniter yeah. song. That's, that's great. That's a new Igniter song. Oh, oh man uh yeah and that happened but uh what, what is internal decapitation i mean yeah. what, like basically like my skull and spine kind of dislocated and relocated instantaneously Holy uh and usually it just dislocates but like i guess the way the guy hit me it kind of went like like that and uh so these tendons in your neck that aren't supposed to stretch that way like stretched that way and uh you know i had to walk around with you know this fucking big brace and like uh i had this crazy road rash that like went all down the side of my left side all the way down past my knee and like it was uh, a humbling experience because i had to you know my mom had to i was in icu for like a week and then i got out and i was in the hospital for like two weeks and I had to go and move back in with my mom because I could not function. I couldn't go, I couldn't like stand up or just sit down on like the toilet or like take a shower or any of that stuff. So um, it was pretty fucked up. And uh, that happened a couple of weeks before my birthday in 2008. And which is a long time ago now. Yeah. But um, what ended up happening as a result, like my, uh, the one thing I was worried about, of course, was, you know, can I play fucking guitar? You know, like uh, that was the first thing that I was worried about. And so like, um, luckily I was able to, even with the cast on because it broke right here, it didn't break up there. And so uh, I was on stage pretty, pretty quick after that, which was so stupid because uh, I had vertigo really bad. And that was the thing that still, I still kind of, um, every once in a while, I get a little kind of weird kind of little thing. And, um, but you got banged, you know, we were, got banged around in that. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Got we were talking around. about this. Uh, me and Jason were talking because your brother was dealing with that. Right. Too, right? Uh, right. He's, he's been in a bunch of car accidents and, you know, some head injuries and, probably some skateboard accidents that he probably, he may not even remember happening. That, yeah. Just getting the head tossed around. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I remember seeing the, I mean, it was all over the local news. And then I, I want to say that there was an, even an article in spin magazine. Cause I remember seeing a, a photo of you 
in the neck brace. Your face was completely black and blue. You were laid up in a hospital bed. You look pretty bad, man. And uh, I know everybody was worried about you, you know, and like I said earlier, forget about getting on stage and play. And we were just hoping you were going to be able to stand up and walk when this was all yeah. done. So it was, it was, it was, uh, you know, that was, that was a pretty, so like when that happened, that was, um, a good kind of like crazy turning point, at least for me having gone through all that. And then just at the end of it, where I was just like, you kind of feel a little crazy after something like that happens. Um, and I kind of felt like, um, like, did you ever see that movie? Yes, man. Yeah. <laughs> so like after that happened, I was kind of like that where I was just like, I will do anything if somebody asked me to do it as far as like, not like stupid shit, but I'm saying like something that I would be afraid of beforehand as far as like, I'm, you know, freaked out about taking on some big responsibility job or like taking on some kind of thing that I'm afraid of that I'm afraid that I'm going to fuck up or like, you know, whatever. I just did it after that. And it was a good positive thing, but yeah, but always still kind of having that weird little like, uh, kind of like, oh, I stand up too quickly and my eyes are going to get dizzy. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> Well, well that's those amazing. are like that's like evil Knievel injuries you had, bro. So yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was bad news, okay. and um, yeah, and and it's it's interesting that you say that you still sometimes experience you know these episodes of vertigo or whatever because uh, when you play on stage with the gamblers, I mean that's nothing but chaos, you know. And I, yeah, I would I would guess that would you know you stand to trigger that at any moment on stage it's just yeah, yeah it's kind of like always uh, it feels a little wild sometimes <laughs> it's like uh i don't even know the, the one thing that i was afraid of was like am i gonna be is something did something happen and it happened to where i'm not going to notice it you know what i mean to where like did i get like some kind of damage or whatever that i'm not going to notice you know, I, you know what I mean? Like, I do. Uh, yeah. yeah. Where it was like, uh, I don't know. That's so freaky. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we're obviously glad that you uh, have recovered from that. And um, I wanted to ask you. I appreciate, I I wanted, appreciate that. Oh, yeah, of course. I wanted to ask you a question. And, and this is, I, I really want to ask this because you're a few years younger than me and Jason. So I want your perspective on this because when a lot of our guests are, are, are thanks for pointing that out, Dave. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, I, I included myself in there, but, um, uh, just an off the cuff question. Cause I think you're the oldest one here. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I think we all know that's a lie. Oh man. Well, you know, yeah. Keep telling them. them But but Ian, I was curious to know, uh, we often ask this question sometimes and it it gets kind of old because the guys are and the guys and girls are usually our age, but, what was the album that uh, got you hooked on rock and roll coming from a, a guy who's a little younger than we are? What, what album got you hooked? It was um, a record and I have thought about this a little bit, but it was a record that my mom bought me before I even kind of knew what I was like into at all. Cause uh, which was, um, Dead Kennedy's plastic surgery disasters. <laughs> My mom bought me that for a birthday one year, and she was like, "Me and your dad always thought this record was funny." 
and uh because it has all those like skits and stuff in it yeah um and my mom's actually here she's at the house we've been dealing with my uh my dog all week and uh but it's funny that that was the one that kind of like it was scary to listen to like it was a bunch of things where it was like yeah there was like funny stuff but like just the audio the way that it was recorded is so abrasive and to, to where it kind of like scared me when I was a kid when I heard it. Yeah. And, how old were uh, you? How old were you when? I was probably like right at fourteen, like okay. maybe that year. And so, like that was the thing where, like, which was perfect timing because it was right when I moved to Dallas from San Jose, and I didn't have any fucking friends, didn't know anybody, but I got that CD that came with a catalog. So now I had like something to order in a destination to go to, which was like calling the record store to see if they could order it for me. And then like, I didn't think about getting it sent to my house. And it's not like my mom would have cared. I just was just like, can you guys order this thing? And I just didn't know how shit worked or anything. And so it's like, okay, well I can go to the record store and go and pick this thing up. And then you end up meeting weirdos that hang out there. Like maybe the weirdo dude that works at the record store in Carrollton, you know, like, <laughs> Hey man, I know King diamond. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> For real. Yeah. Um, but that was cool. That was the record that like, it definitely opened up a bunch of things to where like, not only to like the songs and everything like that, but just everything that came with it. Like I like, you know, looked up every single band that was on the uh, in the catalog and like half of them I didn't really like but then like you know you're starting to kind of like flip around and then you see those record covers and you're like I recognize this band's name from that catalog and then you run into like another record and you're like oh what's this band fear you know or like and then you just kind of get into it and then next thing you know you're here I was I was I was lucky enough to to have uh, older brothers and young and Randy too. Yeah. And then I remember, you know, I mean, it was it was probably 1980 or 81 when you know, like Circle Jerks, Group Sex, and Fear the Record were pretty much brand new. Yeah. Uh, and Randy basically showing me those bands right after he was turned on to him. Yeah. That sort of changed my whole, I mean, I already knew the pistols, right? Cause are my older brother. Yeah. My older brothers like, were, well, my brother, Mitch, he was bringing home pistols and stones and Beatles and Ramones and, you know, the first, uh, uh, Elvis Costello record, you know, and the, the first B 52s record, you know, late seventies when music was, sort of like finding itself just you know, all over the place too though yeah. like everybody you just named or like none of them sound similar to each other at all right like and, even, and, in the, even and those punk bands like, like the first couple of cars albums it's the yeah. same kind of sort of throw right when you can yeah. think about what's happening in england and 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 middle america you know at the same time all these and and cbgbs or whatever right yeah yeah that, I, amazing time uh, to find out about all those stuff, but I think that it's amazing. I like I like that Dave 
uh, brought that up, it, it could turn into our shot of rock and roll. Yeah, mode. I mean, the, the, reason I, the reason I ask, uh, and I wanted to get Ian to chime in on that question is because, you know, typically Jason and I, you know, uh, the common denominator with me and Jason and a lot of our guests and people our age is kiss, you know, and I knew that, you know, you, you were a bit younger than, than we are. So you, you kiss was probably already done and gone. And by the time you're coming up, I wanted to find out what was it that got you because kiss was in the rear view mirror at that point. You know, I also think that it's awesome that it was your fucking mom. Ah, dude. Like here, <laughs> here's a dead Kennedy's record. Whoa. Dead Kennedy. You would have never. Yeah. And it's funny because you'd never guess it, I guess in a million years, but if you met her, you would, you'd be like, okay, this tracks. Yeah. It makes, like, makes too much sense now. Yeah. Um, that's perfect. So it's, it's great that your mom warped your mind for you. Yeah, they had like a bunch of tapes. Like uh, they had, uh, I mean, like a bunch. Like the, I remember when I heard X, the band X, for the first time, they had an Under the Big Black Sun record on tape. They had like, but other weird shit, like you know, like um, Front Two Four and Two, and oh, like yeah. Ministry, and like uh, yeah. Butthole Surfers and stuff like that. But this was all also mixed in with like the music that my mom would listen to to clean, which was like uh Sade and um yeah. the Dick Tracy soundtrack that Madonna sang on soothing <laughs> pop songs jazz pop songs yeah. yeah but then he also had this other stuff in the in the rack I think that that's amazing mom for the win with the dead yes. Kennedy's record yep. yeah. awesome yep. she'll love good, that She's, good yeah. job mom yeah Ian thank you so much for being with us tonight man this has been fun uh, uh, I love it I am a, you know, I'm a huge Riverboat Gamblers fan. I can't wait to see you guys again. I try to make it to every local show that I can. And I'm hoping that you guys can get in a room and, and knock out another album. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm trying to, we're playing at the Lost Well with um, the Zero Boys and Starving Wolves. And uh, this, what, what's the date? I'm looking at it right now. Saturday, August 14th. Um, that's going to be fun. Uh, Saturday, August 14th. This episode will be out before then, the I think. Austin, Texas. Yeah, yeah should I hope definitely. definitely. If yeah. not, the, that show was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll speak about it in the past tense. Yeah. Uh, this will be out well before that. So this actually oh, yeah. kind of serves as a promo. So there you go. Right on, man. I appreciate it. And that, like I said, if anybody's looking for that seven inch, um, anxious and angry.com or uh i think uh gamblers forever forever gamblers.com as well um somebody got that and, <laughs> and paid yeah. for that url or whatever that website that's awesome anxious uh, and angry for the seven hats off, hats off to ryan for putting all that together yeah let me uh, handle it yeah yeah ryan's great <laughs> <laughs> off their, shout out to off their heads and all those guys yeah yes Right on, Ian. Thank you so awesome. much. Awesome, man. man. Thank you, guys. Man, this is so Great cool. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you asking me. Absolutely. And to our yeah. listeners out there, we thank you for listening. On behalf of our guest, Ian McDougall, I'm Metal Dave, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. And we'll see you next time on the Talk Louder podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>